1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. everyone to another episode of feather and fur your host brad hurlibus and for those of you that tune in just podcast apple podcast all the other great places if you haven't seen the new intro like the first image is pippa with her tongue out hanging out on my kayak bearded dog i mean i got to give it to brian schiller i mean what a great way to start the intro when it's with a bearded dog because like it's a bearded dog right well tonight on that note we got captain matt murphy on from texas fellow kayak hunter, waterfall hunter, saltwater fisherman. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me on today. I appreciate yeah. uh, appreciate being here on a, well, I won't say what day it is because I don't know when it airs, but I appreciate being on in general. It's going to be a fun show. Like just us like chatting before the show, hey, like <laughs> you get that energy and it's like, you know, it's going to be one of those fun ones where it's a lot of storytelling and like, you go like it's gonna be all it's gonna be back and forth it's gonna be like ping pong like it's gonna be we're gonna be going one way and then all of a sudden our conversations go completely right field yeah you know i don't i don't if we have an agenda there's no agenda now right <laughs> right I, I wish we were recording when we were talking backstage though like that would we should have just we should have went from go right there like, <laughs> oh that's good i mean it's always good when you get that like uniform energy in the beginning. Like it's like you know you don't have to worry. Like I've been this is my what is this? I just hit my second year. This is the start of my third year now. I'm two years in, started my third year. And I remember when I first started, it's like you get that random guest that just they want to be on the podcast, but they don't really know how to come out of their shell and talk. So you really hold the conversation. And then like I was young and I was immature and all this, and I'm like, man those shows had to have been pitiful to listen to because now it's like now worst case scenario is like i'll just talk like i'll just talk but it's great when you get someone with that other energy that's like yeah 
<laughs> well, like earlier, you told me I need to refrain from some of the <laughs> some of the yeah. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll try our best though. We'll try our best. Look, I'm excited, right? I, I like being on pod. I like learn or teaching, telling, like you said earlier, storytelling. Right? You know, it's it's part of maybe a lost generation where people text and watch videos all day to where the talk radio podcast world like brad you need to bring it back bring it back i'm trying i'm trying man I, I mean one of the big things like i exit my show every time with the same saying keep keep chasing those traditions like or no keep chasing that experience but really what it all comes down to is like the experience and the traditions right and like oh, it's all like those traditions are like those live on through stories and the storytelling and the continuation of doing those activities at deer camp or grouse camp or duck camp or whatever camp you have or however you do it like you cook breakfast the same way or like you go get donuts from the same bakery or y'all make a big bowl of chili at night like all those silly like not even silly but all those small traditions add up to like when you look back 10 years it's like man i miss that especially if it doesn't happen anymore it's like that's like a big thing and one of the reasons i really love like the storytelling on my show is like those traditions live on and people can experience them through those stories. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's traditions you want to pass on to your kids. Be like, Hey, right. grandpa, grandpa's deer chili was, <laughs> you know, I wish I could make it. I'll make something of my own and start your own traditions. But the, the outdoors, uh, the deer camp feel just, just being not inside and seeing the world wake up and seeing the world go to bed and seeing things come alive, you know, as simple as it sounds is, is the tradition of heart and heart that I want to share. Right. Right. You got to just show up and be there. <laughs> if not, you're going to miss it all. So. I mean, it's, there's something super powerful, like sitting in a tree stand, like before the sun comes up or I, I prefer like over a marsh, like, or over like over water and watching that sun come up and the birds like you got the birds coming to life and like everything you can just watch it wake up around you and there's something really powerful about that oh absolutely 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 you know and that's part of um you know waking up early is a is a duck hunter's forte right, right? <laughs> it's I those mean, two o'clock in the mornings it's the <laughs> god mike my headlight batteries are dead, freaking out. It's the, um, you know, all those simple things, but the buildup of being out there at 245 and what we would consider here in Texas miserable, a blistering cold 40 degrees, you know, um, to see the world wake up that first little bit of, what do they call it? The, the magic hour, mm -hmm. the golden hour. Um, yeah, no, that's that's my favorite time of the day. So. Agreed. And like you can't miss that. Like you're not if you miss that as a duck hunter, like if like you're way behind the eight ball. Like you're you're late. Like if you miss like the sun coming up, like you're way late to the party. Like you're the guy that people go and complain about. They're like, this guy came out 30 minutes after opening time and set up a hundred yards for me. Like if you're doing that, like you're you're not like that's not you're not the guy, man. Like <laughs> You got to get up earlier or go where people aren't then. Yeah. Or you had a hell of a night the night before right. <laughs> and it would be a good story. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Just got out of jail. I couldn't get out there any earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 
<laughs> well, what are we what are we talking about today, Brad? Let's we're talk, let's we're, let's we're get into it. About, yeah, how'd you get into hunting? Like, like, was it a family thing? I know you mentioned grandpa, so I'm I'm assuming it was passed down. No, you know it's it's so. I guess we'll tell the story here. So we, right. my family, my mom and dad, ended up moving to to Texas from Iowa, right? So my dad was in the okay. Air Force, moved down here, and his family in Iowa are big hunter everything, right? Let's let's hang 15, 20 deer in the Morton building if we can, right? We got a one-week season with a shotgun, which is sure. completely, completely crazy for me. So uh, by the time I've got of age to where I found or felt or had a calling or the enjoyment or just wanting to experience, um, my dad had already been been there, done that guy. Sure. I, I've been there, done that your age. I, we're, not, we're not going hunting or doing uh, fishing or duck hunting or, or any of that. And uh, Texas is a different place, right, where we don't have acres and acres of public land we're we're 99 private sure. so uh you know before i moved to the coast i lived in san antonio and you either had to know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody or become friends in some way with somebody that either owns uh a tank or a pond or a stream or sure uh, or something uh, to get the opportunity to go out and and experience it and learn and fail and learn and fail and fail and fail and fail and do everything wrong but the beauty of it is sorry if you hear uh, someone running a motor outside i did i couldn't i couldn't tell like how, how close to the close are you like you got an outside like it's hard to tell what it is is it an outboard yeah, it's an outboard that's uh, that's working. I can throw. Let me throw a rock and I'll hit the water right now. <laughs> no, but um, I forgot where I was going with that. But but anyways, it was a, a self-guided tour, which okay. uh, along the way I've met a bunch of beautiful souls, beautiful people, um, people that I found if you just stay quiet and listen and uh, are okay with the ability to learn something because you know at that age young you think you know everything right um but but i learned from some great old timers i learned from some great folks my age that had the experience like some people do where their dad will take them um but that just wasn't my dad's thing and that's okay you know i wouldn't be where i was at today if I didn't have some passion within me to, to keep me going down this path. So um, I love learning about something new and sticking with it. And especially in a sport or an activity, whether it's fishing or hunting, where you never really become an expert. Agreed. I'm gonna learn something every day, every year, over and over and over again. You can never be an expert. And that, that is what I love because the game never ends. You're always learning something that like I, every time I go out in the field, like woods or out in the marsh, like the deer, the I always learn. They always teach me something. As soon as I think I got it figured out, they show me I don't. <laughs> I mean, you go into those hunts like oh, we, we went out like, 
I went out on a Saturday, right? It was a Saturday, early morning, like normal. Tons of ducks couldn't get them to work, right? Quite a few geese too, though. A lot of, lot of, quite a few Canada's running around. And like, we got some ducks to work. We had divers coming through. We got, we had tons of, tons of golden eyes, like one that keeps flying through us. So it turned into being a diver shoot. We couldn't get the mallards to play. But like right about 20 minutes, 30 minutes before we ended up packing up, I got like a flock of 20 or 30 geese. Like we had no goose decoys out. Got hard on the call. I turned them. They came in and if they would have slid left, it had been shooting. They slid right and they took off. Like they were like almost so I'm like, you know what? And there was a lot of geese. I'm like, this is it. Like I'm coming back tomorrow. Like 20, 30 yards north of me is a sandbar with an island. I'm going to set out three dozen silhouettes i'm going to set out two dozen floaters 100 goose decoys we're going all in and if they wanted it that bad on the call like this is lights out like this is like gonna be the hunt of the year had a buddy come with me we get out there we set everything up we get out there early because i'm like there's no way i'm not letting or letting anybody else get this spot get out there the day before was a south wind and all the birds went south to north to feed that morning was a north wind. All the birds headed south. We don't, like I went from seeing hundreds of geese the day before. We saw like 15 and they wanted nothing to do with me. I'm like, like right there. It's like, as soon as you think you got it, man, it's like you don't. <laughs> but it keeps you coming back, right? Oh, for sure. For yeah, sure. But I'm glad, I'm glad you sent them my way. So, <laughs> you know, being in Texas, it's, it's, um, it's a completely different game. Like you're saying mallards and geese and, you know, when you, uh, you know, you're looking at things online or researching ducks, right? It's mallards and people that are geese hunting. Um, we don't have mallards down here where I'm at, right? Sure. Which is a, which is a strange, strange thing, but there's a, a whole flock of black belly whistlers that are flying over me right now. There's noisy little, <laughs> Those noisy little deer corn stealing, sitting on power line, house roof, tree sitting ducks. Um, yeah, but we don't have mallards. And when we have a flock of geese fly over us, at least been my experience in the last 10 years down here, um, like you almost just stare at them. Because you looking at your buddy and be like, dude, are those geese? Sure. And it doesn't say I don't know what a bird looks like in flight, but right. it's not right. a common migration to where, you know, we're we're ejecting number fours, right? Right. And looking at the bottom of our dry bag for like a double BB that <laughs> is probably rusted and maybe a burn around and we haven't even opened it to, for the hope that you would hear the sound of that wing beat flying over but no, man that hasn't happened and we haven't shot a goose in three years down here again sorry for that so, that's all good it's part if of you want i'll go yell at them tell them we're doing no. a podcast man. yeah if you're like yo i'm on with brad like do you know who brad is <laughs> hey <laughs> no. but, good. It, but it's, it's good but it's yeah it, it's it's just a you know, it's a different flyway from you guys. Um, sure. So what's the most common duck you're shooting down there? I know you guys get good teal numbers, right? And woodies? Yeah, so I'm not shooting any woodies. Right? Oh, all right. Uh, 
I'll tell you, I just let's get transparency right from yeah. the get go. So people, people are either gonna stay tuned in or they're gonna be like, this guy, this guy's, he's some poser, right, or whatever <laughs> they want to say. Um, but I've never shot a mallard ever in 20 years hunting down here. Um, I've shot one, but at the time I didn't have a good dog and went out in the middle of the bay and I, I think I spent. I don't know, 10, 12 shells trying to get this oh, cripple yeah. down before water started coming over my waders. Um, I've never shot a wood duck. Right? So, uh, what we have here kind of shifts from year to year. We've got our regular ducks. We've got teal that, uh, even though we got an early teal season, they really don't pick up until November, right? Blue wing, uh, green wing. Blue wing, green wing, cinnamon. See, we don't uh, like you get a cinnamon up here, like, whoo boy, like that, like goes around. Like, someone shoots a cinnamon and everybody's ears perks up because that's super uncommon. Like, we'll shoot green wings are pretty, pretty healthy birds. Like, they'll stick around when it's kind of cold still. The blue wings, they're gone early. But wow. those, those green wings will hang out for a little bit with us. I'll tell you what, this, uh, this last two hunts i went on we were we we're murdering green wings murdering and the beauty thing the beautiful thing about it is they're all fully plumed too right nice so they're right you're looking at every one and even though you've got three in the freezer from earlier in the season that you're you're gonna send or whatever right you put it in the freezer and if you don't send it that's where it goes to die just saying but <laughs> You know, <laughs> that ain't a truthful statement right there. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, strangely, we're, we're shooting, we're shooting till even, even now. Um, but they're beautiful birds, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful birds. Um, not a lot of blue winger down here, but I can guarantee you go five miles in some tank or, or flooded, flooded grass with tides. Um, you know, that's, it's going to be completely opposite where it'll be stacked with blue wings and, you know, the, they're looking for a, a, a green wing tail. Sure. Uh, so we've, we've got model ducks, we've got Mexican mallards, we've got, uh, black ducks, not, not a whole bunch, but we'll get a black duck every now and then. We've got a lot of gadwalls or gray okay. ducks, which yeah. we would consider, or at least I would, um, the closest thing we would get to like, like a mallard. Um, we get caddies up here. We get the occasional black up here. Um, we don't get, um, oh, we don't, I've never seen a modeled up here. Maybe people have from maybe other people have in Wisconsin. I've never seen one. I've never shot one. I've never been with a crew that has shot one. Huh? You guys would be like, Oh, this is a juvie, juvie yeah. mallard. Yeah. Well, that's just, and you know, maybe we do get them and maybe I just been like, that's just a juvie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh, he's, he's a late bloomer right there. Right. You know, God, it's, you know, it's almost February, late bloomer. Um, we are, I'll tell you one thing, though, if, uh, if you're a diver duck shooter, where uh, some people are diver ducks for life, right? There's some hashtag diver ducks only. If you post any puddle duck on that site, it's, you know, sure. you're, you're getting drugged through the mud somewhere, but... Uh, we are the final stop for redheads, right? All right. So when you see any video or picture where the sky just looks like a big cloud moving, um, you know, it's not a cloud. It's 10,000 redheads that are all rafted up in some airboat or some 
you know, somebody's regular boat just flocked them up. Um, I've seen again, some of those photos recently of like all those flocks. Are, that's crazy. It's insane. And, um, you know, being around it, it kind of desensitizes you to it. Right. And, and that's that's yeah. a horrible thing. I had, I had a gentleman come down and, and hunt with me. Um, he was from New England. We had a we had a great great time, right? Um, and I won't tell those stories because you know what happens stays stays around. Right. Man, we Absolutely. had we had a great time, and um, he had a trophy wall where he needed two species or three species, uh, whatever that duck is in Alaska, right? An alder Harlequin. duck or something like that. Harlequin. That's a bucket list. Harlequin. And we get some that come through the Great Lakes, believe it or not. Like you hear about like one, like every three years, maybe someone shoots like a juvenile or immature Harlequin out on, because we do, we do diver hunting out out here, big water layouts on Lake Michigan. And you hear like every three-ish, five-ish years, someone shoots a Harlequin. I think one was shot this year, like no color, like at all, really. Like they don't look like the pretty clown birds like you see out of Alaska, but someone shoots a juvenile or like. Yeah, like they must just get completely lost on a giant east, like on a giant west wind, and they wind up making into Superior and coming down. And like, I don't know where they go from there. Like, do they just look around when they hit Chicago or like Indiana, and they're like, "Now what?" They find a they find a tank out there, and then all of a sudden it's a farm duck, someone's pond right. duck. It stays around. But um, this guy, he wanted he wanted a redhead, and he wanted a fully plumed blue wing tail, right? Because right. they don't have them where he's hunting. And um, I wasn't able to get him a blue wing teal, but you know we shot a we shot a redhead, and he had a couple other hunts with another outfitter the next day. And uh, I kind of keep in touch and text him like, "Hey, did you kill it?" Because I'm just as excited if he he hunts or anybody hunts. Right, right. I've got like a list of 15 people I text in the morning, like, <laughs> "What's going on?" Or in the evening, you know, How send me a picture. <laughs> um, and that's not so that I can potluck their spot for a client I've got the next day, or whatever the case. But uh, it's, you know, he said he saw that big cloud of redheads. And I had become numb to it because I'm like, ah, it's just it's redheads. You can shoot two, right? Break right. out the Weber barbecue pit and put on some Hunter Orange and we'll sit out there like a dove hunt on somebody's tailgate and we'll shoot two redheads. But that's not everybody's story. And I had to remind myself that although it may be in my backyard, people don't see that in their flyway. I've just become right. numb and I've started, it, it, it brought back the appreciation for what we have, where I live and how blessed and grateful. And some people would say spoiled with what we've got passing through here so um yeah it, it it took me back a notch from it's not just a redhead that's that's somebody's trophy duck or right somebody's sure. duck that they're chasing to mark off their poster board or finish their wall or they just love a fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish it's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home it's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. 
And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Red, maybe they just love a redhead. Right, maybe they're a fan <laughs> of that redhead. I mean, they say they're a little crazier, right? Yeah, exactly. These redhead ducks have no soul. <laughs> but... You'll have to probably edit that out for the family. Show. Oh no, that's gonna know. stay. That's gonna. We've got. I've got some great ones. Like, like, I'm now now from like the end of time where I'm gonna just call a redhead soulless. Like that's now a soulless yeah. duck. And like when I had I had Dave Palmer on, he's on the new canoe team with me. Big kayak, like big kayak hunter out of Canada. Like we were talking because I shot a I shot a wood duck the second to last day of the season in Wisconsin. Normally the wood ducks are gone. So it was crazy year for me there. I shot one like right before Thanksgiving and I'm like, holy cow, I've never shot a wood duck this late. Normally I don't see him after like October or beginning of November. I'm like, this thing's going to the taxidermist. I'm like, I texted my taxidermist. Then a week later I shoot another one. Now they're both at the taxidermist. (laughs) (laughs) But we were talking about that. He's like, oh yeah, those mullet teal. Cause they got that big swoop on the back. (laughs) Because we call them, we we were calling them rainbow teal because a ton of them unfortunately get shot in our early teal season because we have way more wood ducks than teal. So okay. like it's kind of a running joke, like oh rainbow teal, right? Because you're not you can't shoot woodies during teal season. And then he said mullet teal, so now we got mullet teal that was set on the show, and now we've got the soulless redhead. So I mean we're just gonna keep, <laughs> we're going to keep renaming ducks as we go. <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. Uh, what else have we had lately? You know we we've shot a lot of widgeon. Um, bunch of pintails, you know, and, and that I'm a little disappointed because I love how pintails taste, right? You get okay. a big old breast too compared to, sure. uh, and they're beautiful ducks and they're, you know, to me, a pintail is the most, a true pintail, not a lazy pintail or a pintail super windy day or foggy day. But a true pintail where it'll sit there and watch you and flap and turn its head back and hover to where, uh, you know, getting them to land and getting them to commit or whatever, whatever you're out there doing, bird watching or letting them shoot or standing up or they taste the same if you shut them on the water as you did in the air. Um, You know, I really personally like shooting my one my one pintail. I was going to ask, yeah. how many do you get? Because we only get one here. And I spent an entire season trying to, to get one, to get a good one. Like I spent an entire season, like every day, like my only goal was a good pintail. I finally got it. But that, like, that's all, like, that is a relatively rare bird up here. See, that's, yeah, that's crazy. Like but I look weird. at the, Cause, like, it's one to... too. So the federal standard, it's across the board, wherever we're at, right? Where the, it's you or me. Uh, your central flyway, your central. Yeah, central yeah. flyway. But you know those regulations that Texas Parks and Wildlife funneled down are yep. based on guidance from from the, the feds. Um, so yeah, it's it's 
it's frustrating. We get a we get a lot of pintails where we're at, um, which is good and bad because I like I like sending it, man. You know what I mean? Sure. I want to. I want shells to be on the floor where I get to break out my $27 magnet wavy stick that, you know, I've, I've got to justify the use of it. Right. I can easily pick them up, but I want to use it, you know, be fancy. Um, but yeah, I like shooting pintails and we normally always have an opportunity um, to down one at least late in the season. What else we got that I've seen lately? That's kind of it. We got big... Big Till, Big Gadwall, Big Widgeon, Pintails is, is kind of late in the season. Sure. Every now and then we'll get a, you know, the King of Ducks canvas back, but it's it's very, very rare. We got a bunch of ruddy ducks uh, that sometimes fall into the category. Is this a, you know, a juvenile redhead? And you don't right, want to claim right. redheads anyways to where you just say it is, even if it's not. <laughs> um we got bluebills, right? All right, all right. And we don't bother saying if it's uh, greater or lesser. Sure. Not that we don't want to take the time, but again, you get one. Same. You, you get one all season down by you. Yeah, we get one. Because um, ours kind of changes. I, I'd have to look again because I didn't do any. I didn't do any diver hunting this year, so I didn't pay too much attention to the regulations. Um, normally, in the past couple of years, we get one for a certain amount of time. Then we flip to two for a section and then we go back to one huh yeah no we, we get we've had we get huge huge rafts on lake michigan of bluebills like like to the point where it's like like you, you even like you get it's two a day it's like you with those redheads it's like you're gonna get your two like there's no doubt yeah. about it like if you don't get your two like you're out there in a clown suit and a big yellow banana boat like <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah so same thing that's that's right that's the redhead i'll tell you redhead tastes phenomenal though um, you know, I've never it, found a blue bill I like when it comes to eating it. So, you know, so I hear that. And I think that's, um, as we continue to move topics on right, taste, right. Like of, I said, yeah. <laughs> taste the game. Uh, and for everybody watching, this was like the first 30 minutes before we even started <laughs> talking about it. It was just random stuff with, uh, um, if, if you thought I was kidding when I said we were going to be from left field to right field, back <laughs> to left field, like I was not. <laughs> Well, let, let, let me pose this question to you, right? right? Then, you know, when you say bluebell is your least bluebell, blue bill, right? Bluebell is an ice cream, um, is your least favorite. What in the heck? All right, there Brad, we go. Can you hear I'm me? here. Did you I got me? you. You got me? What was the last thing? What was the last thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you said. Clear. What was the last thing you heard? If you said if you were starting, you were starting to say if bluebell is your least favorite. Okay, if bluebell or bluebill is your least favorite duck to eat, um, why? Why is that? I'm just not. It's got a different taste. Like I don't like. People are gonna be like, "Oh, you don't prepare it right." Maybe I don't, but I swear it tastes like snails. Like, like, like why are you eating tastes... snails? <laughs> <laughs> That's just it. Like it's like exactly like I it, it's not my favorite duck to eat. Like and I've had it a couple times, but it's like uh, like they go in the pile for sausage now. Yeah, Lee. What when you say snails, if 
I'm going to try to bring up the word snails as many times as the rest of this podcast. <laughs> no, but, I've never eaten snails. I've never <laughs> eaten snails, but they smell like snails. But when I do, I want you to put your pinky up, you fancy, up there, Brad, eating, eating snails. Escargo. Hold on, hold yeah. on. Escargo. <laughs> uh, I'm going to write that down, the snail duck now. and uh, You know, I, going back to that, you say somebody, oh, I don't. I don't like how it tastes gamey, right? Or sure. I don't like how ducks taste or the age old, like, oh, stuff it full of carrots and potatoes and put it in the oven and then take it out and you throw away the duck and eat the potatoes and carrots. Um, you know, I, I, I appreciate and want to shoot and kill and try everything, right? If there's, right. I almost started a snipe hunt guided tour last year because i shot one and they're so delicious but i say snipe hunt and people think i'm going to give them a cane stick and drop them out in the middle of the you know <laughs> the the middle of the woods and have them find themselves their way back but you know i, I never, think everything I, I in its own snipe, but like like I, I we've shot them from opportunity before but like i'm an avid woodcock hunter i chase woodcock intentionally really on purpose? Oh, yeah. On purpose with my dog. Oh, yeah. Like you make one shot and down 10? No, because they're, <laughs> they're not flocked up like that. Like they're, they're a migratory upland bird. Like I chase them through lowlands and like they hold super tight for a pointing dog. And then like they give you relatively, it's like the easy version of grouse hunting. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> so I haven't, I, I don't think I've ever seen a, a grouse in my life right. so, sure uh, i did listen to the, your last podcast with a huge grouse hunter right i think yeah. it was and out of uh, idaho yeah from idaho and, and yeah. it, it's i could hear the excitement when he would talk and and you know tell his stories and i i loved that um but yeah we don't we don't have those down here uh sure. we've got something called a chakalaka you ever heard that you know, it sounds familiar, but I have no idea what it is. Like, I feel like I've heard the name in passing. It's like a South Texas pheasant. Okay. But bigger. So, yeah. Was, all right. Anyways, we got off topic again. Yeah, going, back to, going back going to... Back to okay. So, we were, we were on the taste of ducks. What is your favorite duck to eat? Um, one that is cooked in olive oil with a little bit of slap your mama seasoning. Or oh, Tony Shatteries. Regular Slap Your uh, Mama or Slap Your Mama Hot? No, just the yellow can. I don't, do you, right. Have you ever heard of Slap Your Mama? I got both in my cupboard. Slap Your Mama and Slap Your Mama Hot. I got both. Okay, so the, the regular Slap Your Mama, all right. not the hot. Sure. Um, because I'll add some hot sauce or something to it, right? Um, but I cook it quick, like a minute. And I appreciate the tastes of different ducks all right i'm gonna fry up a, a, a bluebill just the same as i'm gonna fry up a you know a model duck or doesn't go into the freezer that i may or may not end up taking to the taxidermist um <laughs> but I, but i like them all i really do i like them all and i and i i I tell myself to appreciate it because there's no turning back once I've started 
shooting, right? Appreciate the right, taste right. of smells because I made the decision <laughs> to pull the trigger and now I'm gonna I'm gonna use it as a resource to, to feed myself. Oh, for sure. So and I don't know if I'm mind and it's a family show, so I can't say the word that I'd like. I don't know if I'm messing with my own mind there in some form or fashion. Uh, but when I tell myself it's 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 never coming back, I think the enjoyment level of why sure. I'm eating it has a different take to it. So. I get that completely. Completely understand How do you that. have slap your mama up in Wisconsin? I got turned on to that by my ex-mother-in-law like 15 or 20 years ago, whatever that works out to be. 2008-ish, 2009. Huh. So... We got slap your mama. Up they here. make a I'm not, slap it's your not at every, It's not at every store. <laughs> it's not. It's not at every store. That's for sure. But we got it. We got it up here, though. Oh goodness! Yeah, I love. I love I've, that. I've not heard that for It's also really good. There's a uh, there's a seasoning down here made by a company called Fiesta that is called Uncle Chris's Gourmet Steak Seasoning. Right. Okay. All right. And it's probably packed full of like MSG and all the stuff that uh, probably will hurt you down the road. Sure. But, you know, frying it quick like that too is fine. Making poppers where you're getting a jalapeno, cream cheese, taking a, a, a breast, cutting it into threes, wrapping it in a jalapeno is really good too. Um, I don't know. I, I just like eating that. It's probably the best way to, way to put it. I've made so many, like, I enjoy, like, cooking it like that. I've smoked it before. I've done, like, like chicken parmesan. Like, I've done that with duck. I've done duck parmesan where I pounded it flat and I breaded it and, like, done stuff. Like, I try to experiment with it, and I always try to have, like, fun with it. Oh, yeah. Have you ever, let me, let me ask you another question, then. All right. Since you get to shoot a bunch of geese, have you ever made sausage? Oh, yeah. Tell me about that, Brad. I've done, I've done jerky and I've done sausage. I've done both. Like they Is both. Is it any good? Out. I think it's good. Like you do it right, it's good. I know some people will cut it. I've done like a hundred. Like, so I've got the stuffer. I do it myself. Like I'll make my own sausage. I do it with deer as well. I make my own deer jerky, my own deer sausage, summer sausage, hot sticks, all of that. So with mm. goose, I've done hot sticks before, and I've mixed it. And I've used like pork. I've mixed it like with 30% pork to give it some fat. And I've done pure, pure like just pure 100% goose meat. The 100% goose is, it's on the drier side. I'll be honest, but it's, it's and it's got a different flavor to it, but it was good. Like it was still good. I liked it. You mix it with some pork and get some fat in there. It was tasty. It was, it was dang tasty. Like there's like no one could say like that was not a good eating snack, Snick. Yeah. Snack, snack stick. Yeah, like that was that was taste. I mean, my favorite way to cook goose though is if I've got like three or four of them. Basically, I take a crock pot, I throw all the breasts in there with some apple cider, and I let it cook for like six hours till everything gets ridiculously tender. I pull all the meat out, I shred it with forks, I dump the apple cider out or apple juice, whatever you want to use. I throw everything back in there with some barbecue sauce, some onion, and some garlic, and mix it all up really good, and let it simmer for three hours time that's done man like you can't tell what it is anymore like it's just super tender like barbecue like it's it's way better than a sloppy joe i'll tell you that much 
Well, sloppy joes come out of a can. Right. And this is not a can. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's also not ground yeah. meat either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey. So maybe it's because it's the evening and we're both kind of hungry is why we're talking about food now. That, that could be. That could be. <laughs> it's, but yeah, but I mean, to answer your question, I like eating beef too, right? And if I've got to sure. pick something, I like a good ribeye. If I've got to pick a uh, a duck is I like eating pintail. Okay. Because of the difference in taste. Sure. Whereas, like, my favorite eating bird is wood duck, hand down, hands down. Yeah. See, now I've, I'm, I'm on a mission now. I've got to, I've got to, to try it. The good thing about it in, in Texas is, is, you know, it's so big, so I can go, I don't know, three and a half hours to the east, or I can go nine and a half hours, you know, to the north and be hunting in timber or flooded, sure. flooded timber and shoot a mallard or heading towards Houston and shoot a wood duck um, to where the possibilities there, but it's, it's pretty damn convenient to <laughs> just, <laughs> just stay, you know, just stay on the coast. And... <laughs> yeah. Just stay where I'm at. And, right. you know, we'll down some ducks to where, you know, maybe if I have a wall of trophies and I need one, I'll, I'll travel. If not, it'll be the talk of the town of, uh, shooting something strange like a wood duck in an open bay or right. in a marsh area. And right. And that, and that's exactly what it is. I mean, even that late season bird for me, that late season wood duck on the second to last day of our season, like it came through and like, I knew it was a woody. I was positive as a woody and I dropped it. And the guy I was hunting with is like, why'd you just shoot him a ganser? I'm like, dude, that was not a common ganser. I'm like, what are you talking about? That was not a sawbill. That was a Woody. He goes, you know, there are not Woodies around right now. Get out of here. That was a Merganser. I'm like, just because it's got a head, green head, don't make it a Merganser with an orange bill. Like, that's not how this works, man. Like, that had way more color. It had white on it. Like, no, like, no, no. <laughs> so, like, it was down hard, and we knew right where it was, and we had mallards coming in. So, we're like, all right, you just sit there for a second. Like, you stay, because it was it was late. Like, we were breaking ice. Like, at that point, my dog's almost 11 now. Like, I don't, I don't run her, and, like, that late in the year it's just too hard on her like it's, it's just too hard on her so um we let that one lay and then we dropped some mallards we went out there and like i drove drove the boat right across this tiny little river that was only maybe maybe 30 yards wide 40 yards wide like we was like the, they were like in your face hunting it was awesome it was awesome but if they weren't in your face and you like you had to like really control your shots because if they weren't in your face they're going to be in like shoulder high cattails and i don't have a dog so that doesn't work like like you're never going to find it anyways mallards dropped we go out he goes to go get the merganser and he looks at me and goes you're right that was a woody like, i knew it was a woody and he brought it back and he and like and like my jaw just dropped i'm like and then i'm like now i'm happy i didn't have a dog because i didn't want a single tooth to touch one of these feathers because like, <laughs> a bird this late in the year again like that like like i already knew that's going to the wall Oh goodness! It's it just funny because he's like, "Why? Why'd you just shoot him or Ganser?" I'm like, "Well, Merganser." <laughs> Man, I'll, I'll tell you what. When you, you talk about Mergansers, um, so we we have common Mergansers quite often, but this year um, we've down two red-breasted Mergansers. All right, right. 
which um, I thought that they were beautiful, beautiful. You know, come to the rest of the world is like, oh, those are long darts, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Like, don't dare post a merganser anywhere online. <laughs> Aside from if you're in rock. Merganz- I don't know why they get so much hate. He'll come back. Lost him a little bit. You back. You I'm back. back. We're oh, back. Okay. We're good to go. We're talking lawn darts. That's right. Coming back, coming back after your commercial break. Talking That's lawn right. darts. <laughs> Guys, thanks for coming on, Finn. Or Feather and Fur. We're back from our commercial break. I've got guest <laughs> Brad on talking about lawn darts, America's <laughs> favorite pastime. Um, but no, I loved it, and the entire internet chastised me of about how silly this bird is. So, you know, like there's tons of people that are like, a hooded meganser is a gorgeous bird. Like I like I know people that want trophy hooded megansers. Like there, that is a gorgeous bird, and we get those come through up here. And like I haven't had the opportunity, but if I ever got like a really really like if I got a stud of a hooded, it'd be going to the taxidermist hands down. Huh. No, yeah, I, I loved it. I wanted to shoot one when I didn't have a client because I would probably take it somewhere because I, th- I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful bird. I've never seen the red-breasted in person. Huh. It, it, get... it's, it's awesome looking. I mean, even and your common... ratings just went down because I said no. that. <laughs> even, the, even the common merganser's got, like, hen doesn't. I mean, the hen's got its little mullet head and everything else going on. But like even like a com like a like a Drake Commons got like really bright colors to it like that white and that green like that like they've got really good colors like I don't know why they get so much hate I really don't they don't even count towards your duck limit like think they about that they count towards your duck did they yeah this year so last year they didn't but now at least down here they they're they're part of your bag right I'm so pretty sure they were still separate up here I, maybe I'm wrong. I didn't shoot a single one all year, so I'm not worried about it. But I don't know. I've got I've got this last weekend set aside, right? Even though I can make a little bit of money, but it's friends and family weekend to where we're going to go out there, have a good time. Other people sure. that take folks out. It's it's our opportunity to hunt for ourselves. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that one comes in because I'm going to send it. <laughs> You know what's different down here too is it, the red-breasted is sweet. What are they talking? What do you like? Who who wouldn't think that's a cool bird? Like you get like it's almost got like the wood duck mullet. Like it's got all that hair yeah. coming off the back of the head. Like it needs a haircut. Like it looks almost like a hippie. It looks like the it's a hippie mallard. It's it's almost it's a hippie mallard <laughs> wood duck crossbreed widgeon breast. <laughs> you know. It's almost got that white that comes up its neck like a penny. I mean, <laughs> did you Google a picture of it? Right oh now? yeah, oh ah, yeah. Look, look at its feet; they're like blood red. It's crazy. Like, no, I'd love that. Yeah, let's try to find a good picture of this thing here. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal develop high-quality, technically sound products, and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. 
If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. We can do this. I know how to do this. Let's see here. Uh oh! Bring it on! Let's show the world. <laughs> we're gonna! We're gonna! We're gonna! We're gonna! We're gonna show the world. There it is. Show the right world that the bird that I yeah. See, look at that. It's a pretty bird. Like maybe they eat like crap. I don't know. Like I, I know everybody hates mergansers. They probably don't taste well. I don't know if I've ever actually tried to eat one to be honest. Um, but. That's a cool looking bird. Like you can't say that's not a cool looking bird. No. Get a mount where it's hanging by its foot, you know, right. hanging dead a dead mount. Or or something spectacular. I think it, it would be pretty awesome. So I mean get that fur on top of it, like the fur, the feathers on top of its head all like flared out and like like really make it look like it needs a haircut like that. And like like you said, you got the bright feet, you got a really bright bill, and then the breast has that brown going to like it's got cool colors. How can you not say this doesn't have cool colors? Its wings have racing stripes too as it's flying. <laughs> like no, yeah, it's it, it's cool. So there you go, guys. Let it be known for history. This is the duck that I am after this last three days that we've got. So I hope you <laughs> smash I hope you smash just a stud. I'll send you a picture. Like yes. you'll see that thing posted with fifteen different reels on Instagram for like the next month or so. Yes. I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't know, but you know, you said two different. Uh oh. Get a little choppy here as as the evening goes on. We lost him again. Here he comes. Now he's back. You're back. Now he's back. Okay. Ah, we're you back. Said I said you said he I said, said two different things. Yeah, you said two different things that kind of kind of played on the differences between where you hunt and and where I hunt. So, um, you mentioned your dog, and you mentioned the ice, and you mentioned her age or his age. Yep. Um, so, my dog Tough, which is a, a puddle pointer, right? Okay. Um, so essentially, he's a felled pheasant dog because he wouldn't go 400 yards and freeze. 
but he's perfect for me because I don't need him to go 400 yards. Right, right. So he's crossed over to the duck hunting world where I don't want him to freeze. I want him to chase. And Sure. <laughs> if you find sure. a duck that's crippled in this marsh grass, you do not freeze on it. You chase it and grab it and bring it back to me so I don't have to walk in waste deep mud. You know, like, I will say, like, these versatile dogs, because that's a bearded dog. I know what you got. Like, I've hunted behind them before on grouse even. Like, they're really good at knowing the difference between a live bird that they need to point and what they need to be aggressive and chase down. Like, my oh, dog yeah. has never once pointed a wounded bird that really? I can remember. Never once pointed a wounded bird. She knows the difference. How she knows the difference, I have no idea. But I can't <laughs> think of one time my dog's point. I take that back. I can think of one time. Now that I really think about it, I can think of one time. And that bird was hardly wounded. Like, that was a bad shot on me. I maybe got a pellet in a single wing because it still, like, did, like, the old hopscotch flying, like, through the woods. Yeah. 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 Like, like it needed another solid shot to put it down. But anyways, like. No, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> For the first time ever, right, this past, I don't know, the past maybe three weeks ago, we had that cold front that blew through, right? So I don't know if it got you guys or not, but it was a it was a pretty hefty cold front for down in South Texas to where it, it froze for uh, a couple of days. I heard Strangely about this. enough, our, some of the water that we hunted actually froze, right? Um, I, I do know that. Because I saw reels of guys in Texas, like, breaking, like, a half inch of ice. Or maybe it was a yeah. Texas. I don't want to say it was Texas. I don't know where it was. But they were down south breaking, like, a half inch of ice, like, thinking they're badass. And I'm, like, sitting there, like, I can show you videos where we're breaking three to four. Yeah. <laughs> Completely new to me. Right? Right. Right. So nothing freezes over. And, like, every crazy duck hunter, right, let's get up in the morning when it's 18 degrees and let's. Yep. Let's go duck hunting. And I felt like the Christmas story. Oh, hey, bud. Sorry, my seven-year-old. You want to pop on this show? Hey. Yeah. What's going on, bud? Hi. We're talking duck hunting. Oh. You got anything to say about it? Um, well, there's a dog named Toby that has, and he can tell, like, he can kill, like, uh, 50 ducks. Well, he only kills six 50 ducks. Six, Dylan. Go on, get out of here, Dylan. We don't, we don't shoot 50 ducks a day. <laughs> You're going to have to edit that out. No. Unless we have nine people. Yeah, exactly. Well, I only I have eight, I, so. I've got eight extra clients. I bring eight clients with at a time. I'm a single guy. <laughs> That's right. I can only legally carry six on my boat at a time. But my wife, she came over to the shop and brought me a Sonic. Nice. So I'm going to nice. put that aside and grab this. Yeah, right back to that. Yeah. Um, but okay, so ice, right? Mm -hmm. um, I end up hunting ice for probably the first time ever in my life, right? Which most yeah. people in the, the entire United States are going to think that's crazy. Uh, but half of our season, we're hunting in shorts. The other sure. half were normally bundled up because it's 30, 40 degrees. But this time it was 18, 18 degrees and ice was covered over. And a really good friend of mine, because I had to cancel a trip. Uh, well, they canceled on me because it was too cold for them to drive down with icy roads. Um, 
but we were shooting ducks and they were landing on the ice and sliding. And I try to send tough the dog, like, go get it, go get it, go get it. And the concept of breaking through ice, walking through ice, ice in general was completely foreign to him to where uh, he wasn't, he wasn't a really good retriever that day. That's all right. Cause here's like, you don't deal with ice real often, but I'm going to tell you this right now. We get ice. I don't run my dog. We get ice. My dog's really? at home. It's because what happens is, and it, it, it's, it gets to the point where the risk outweighs the reward, right? I love hunting over my dog. I love watching good retrieves. I love dog work. I love dog work. That's why I'm so like, like this might be feather and fur, but there ain't much fur in these episodes. If you listen to the whole of the seasons, it's a lot of feather, right? What happens is like, you're hunting open water because you got decoys and then you get your ice shelf that gets thicker and thicker towards shore because ice, that's just how ice works up here. The dog gets out and what can happen is they can break through the ice and they can't climb back out. Yeah. So unless like it's the risk outweighs the reward on the fact that like if they fall through and can't get out, you have to figure out how to get to them. If you have a boat, not the end of the world, but if you're walking in and you hunt it in your shore hunting, and your dog, now you're going out there for them because your dog can't get out. And you're either going to try to break ice the entire way to get there, or you're going to walk out until you break through and bust ice to get to your dog to pull it back up. Yeah. No, it's not, it's, it's not worth it. I would, I would see. Right. I mean, so, I'll tell you what, even I had a hard time break, not breaking through it. It's a different walk. Right. Right. So it's almost like you got high step it. Well, you high step it, but the problem with high stepping down here is you're already a you're you're up to your knees in mud. Sure. And then you're, which is already I would assume like walking in snow, right? <laughs> to where then you've got to break the ice that's wanting to cut through your breathable waders, right? <laughs> Regardless, because we're not running ne- none neoprene at all down here. We've got some thermals under and light breathable waders in all conditions. But it, it was it was the oddest thing to to see the dog. But I'm glad you mentioned that. Not that it may ever happen again in my lifetime. Hopefully not. Because it was. But you can now that I said it though, like you see it, like you can oh, see yeah. how it could happen. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. because we we arrived. We didn't take kayaks that day. We took um we took a little John boat. Sure. And uh, normally the he's super excited, right? He's in the zone. He knows what's happening from when he wakes up, and I put the collar on him. Like he knows it's time to do something more than lounging around the house. And he's pumped. Um, so we normally pull up to a spot. I spotlight for alligators to make sure there's no red lights because he'll look like a hog or something. And I'm not that's crazy. To... Like that's something I don't have to do. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not checking my shoreline for gators before I set up. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it never gets cold enough for most of them to hibernate. So, um, you know, I'm checking, that's my protection for the dog. Like you don't take it with ice. If I'm hunting an area that's a lot of birds and there's a a lot of active or big, big gators, I'm not bringing the dog, Sure. but he normally jumps out and goes doing dog stuff for just a little bit. Um, but that ice was just so crazy to where he jumped out. And even though he had a vest on because it was 18 degrees, probably the first time I've ever used it. Um, you know, he, he couldn't get up 
just from the half inch of ice and it being foreign to him, you know, I could see it in his face and personality and eyes that something was wrong. Sure. And if you hunt enough with him, it was like, help me. So, right, right. Like, I don't uh, know what to do here. I don't know what to do here, boss. Like, you got to tell me, like, how do I do this? Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. So, but that was one of the things I was thinking about when you said, you said ice and, you know, we don't get to experience that, um, a lot down here, probably some of North Texas, which is used to ice, but, you know, being at nine foot of sea level for most of all the hunting I'm doing where, uh, just yesterday I was in a tank top is, is it's a little different. So. <laughs> That's crazy. Now we've had a pretty <laughs> mild winter here, but like at the end of the season, it gets nuts. It gets nuts for us. Last Saturday, I shot that Woody. Like, we broke ice the whole way out. Like, it was two to three inches. Like, it had gotten really thick. It warmed up. It thinned enough where we, like, it locked up. Like, we couldn't even break through it. Like, the marsh that we were hunting was completely locked up. You needed an airboat. And airboats weren't breaking through it. They were riding over it at that point. If you didn't have an airboat, you weren't getting out there. You were doing something else. Well, we got a little bit of a warm-up, quite a bit of a warm-up, thankfully, that now we could start running boats through there again. And we were out that Saturday, I shot that gorgeous Woody and we were breaking a ton of ice and we had thousands of ducks. Like we we're coming back out and there's video, the sky is black with the sun setting. Oh, and I love it. Because it. it was an <laughs> evening hunt. So we're like, all right, I'm going out in the morning with two two different buddies. We're going out in the morning and we get there and um, one of his, one of his, uh, the guy I was hunting with, one of his workers, he owns, he owns his own like plumbing company. One of his workers has an airboat. He's like, well, if we can't get through, he's coming out with the airboat and we'll follow him. I'm like, yeah. we were just out yesterday. I just broke this up last night. I think it's going to be tough, but it was tough. It was real tough. Like, like pinch bar in the dirt, pushing the boat forward. So it slide up on the ice to break it down because the motor didn't have enough power to do it. You know, we're out there, we're doing that. And finally the airboat, like he gets the airboat out and like, like we're in the wind wash at that point, he busts the trail and like, it's all great. And like, we had an amazing hunt, but like just that one night though, like, cause so much ice formed, we went from thousands of birds to like, holy crap, like all afternoon. It was like, man, like birds to like, we worked for a three man limit of mallards that morning. We worked for it. We got it. But like, it went from thousands to hundreds and like it was crazy just because one night and how much everything froze back up you know you you tell the story right and what i love about it is i think not to label us right but but i think we enjoy the misery you got to if you're a duck hunter like i know why is you have to like there's nothing easy about it. It's like, there's nothing easy about duck hunting. Like I was just talking to a buddy. I'm like, I don't sleep. Like in November, I get like no sleep, especially from Thanksgiving. Like I normally take off the entire weekend of Thanksgiving. So the weekend before Thanksgiving is our opening a gun deer. I hunt very, very overpopulated properly properties. So normally I can drop a doe like right away in the morning and be done and just be like on my way, which I love it because I fill my freezer and I'm gone and I'm back to bird hunting where I want to be. Right. But for that entire week of Thanksgiving and then that next weekends are closing, basically the first weekend of December, like I don't sleep. Like I don't go to bed any earlier, but I'm up at two every morning. 
like by the time you're done, it's like you need a week to sleep and picking up decoys in the wind. Like there's nothing easy about it. Like it is probably the hardest hunting I do. Yeah. And I, I love, I love it. You meet true duck hunters that have that obsession or that passion and the crappier it is, right? The, I wouldn't say the better it is, but the better the memory right. is, yeah. right? And then once it's done and over and the day's gone by and again, the, the world sets and the world wakes up, um, it's those really, really S days that leave an imprint on your mind that you almost prove something to yourself the worse the weather is. And you find out something about yourself that you're tougher than you think you are. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Or you're or dumber craftier. Than you, or, dumber than you, or dumber than you realize. <laughs> yeah. Like, why am I wearing a hefty trash bag under my water-soaked rain jacket? Because whatever I put on it, you know, the, the Walmart spray ban waterproofing crap didn't work. <laughs> like, right. Right. But you still stay out there and hunt. Like, it's, it, we're, something's wrong with us, man. Oh, I agree. You. I mean, like, yeah. even when, it, like, even safety. I mean, I hunted one Black Friday where we got blocked with the boat ramp, and there was a quarter to a half inch of ice all the way around the water line of my boat. It was never got above zero degrees. We were one Dang. of two boats on the marsh, and I think, and this was like back in like the early two thousands. Like, cell phones didn't even work worth the crap back then, to be honest. <laughs> like, not in the marshes. I'm like, and oh, I think now God. I'm like. If my motor wouldn't have started, I don't like. I don't know if we would have made it out of there. <laughs> We'd have been starting a marsh fire just so someone would have noticed we were out there. Yeah, and and somebody didn't die. Like right, exactly. <laughs> like, and I, at that point, like yeah, we broke ice to get out there. No big deal. The river was open, not a problem. And like we're sitting there, and like there's no birds because everything left. And like we go to pick up, and like all of a sudden we realize like our decoys are frozen. They're no longer floating. I'm like, we're beating them out with an oar. There's so much ice. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> so we're beating out these decoys. And we're like, all right, let's get out of here. And we're going. And like, I can't get the boat on plane. The boat, I'm like, oh my God, like what is going on? I finally get the boat on plane and we get back to the launch and I look at the boat and it's like, it looks like it's something out of like the deadliest catch. Like I should have been chipping ice off the thing. There was so much ice on it. Like we were worried about putting it on the trailer that the axle wouldn't take the weight. Oh goodness, man. Crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's just that's... one of those things. The the worse the weather is, it's like the better the memory is. Yeah. It it is because even when you're telling that story, I feel it. You know what I mean? Dude, I love I love everything about this. Um, the other thing that you said that that I'll circle back is, you know, you mentioned the difference when I was I was diver duck hunting. Right. Right. And, um, you know, again, what I think where I, I may have been spoiled is, you know, we're not going into like a big, huge marsh system. Right. It's not acres and acres of freshwater marsh, whatever the case is. These are little marsh tributaries or rivers that are running into these large base systems as it is. So 
you know, we don't really have a concept of, oh, I'm diver duck hunting or I'm puddle duck hunting, right? You can set up in a, in a tank that is almost bringing the two worlds together. Sure. To where it's, hell, you're throwing out, you know, gadwall decoys, and then you've got a whole row of buffle heads sitting in the same spread, but you're, you know, you're walking just in a six, seven inches deep of water that'll pull birds, open water birds from the bay. But then you've got all these puddle ducks running around in salt grass, just the same to where, I mean, in a day, the type of bag that you can shoot is just so broad. That, See, uh, like, like on the Mississippi River, you can pull that off. But unless I go out to the Mississippi, and even it can be tough there because like, a lot of the divers stay to the main channels and the guys that really diver hunt out there really focus more on main channels than the bays and stuff. And like, I'm a big backwater guy. So I'm out there chasing puddle ducks and we might get the occasional, but like, other than that, like it's like, we'll get divers on our lakes, but like they'll stay to the middle of the lake. Like they will stay away from the shoreline. So Raft up. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it's very hard to pull them from the middle of the lake. Whereas like, we'll get puddle ducks that work the, the marsh edges without a problem. So like you're, I mean, I'll occasionally throw half a dozen divers or something. If I want, like, like I'll maybe throw some like redheads or some canvas backs or some blue, like if I want some pop in my spread, like if I feel like I need some white, like I, I don't try to throw too much white because seagulls around here will like cover you up like, and like crap all over you. <laughs> <laughs> like like if, if like I, yeah that's a different story um but tell that story <laughs> i've never like they will like you put white in your spread around here the seagulls will not leave you alone legitimately and like we might have two to one seagulls to ducks and geese like the amount of seagulls we have is ridiculous like we got nothing but gulls at times, I swear. Like, like you'll be looking and like you'll just see like flock after flock after bird after bird, and it's like gull, gull, veed wings, veed wings, veed wings, gull, gull, gull. Oh look, finally a single goose. Ah, see. So I don't throw white. Like it's unless if it's that situation where maybe the maybe like they're still really standing lily pads or something like that makes it so my puddle ducks don't necessarily stand out and then i'll put some white i'll put on like the edge like i'll throw like half a dozen divers i'm back you disappeared lost on me you. there for a minute. lost you no no i'm back i'm back all right true we found you you were lost now you're yeah. fine <laughs> well we, we the behind the scenes, we know what happened here. So right. the world may not. <laughs> um, Honestly, these little cut-ins out, I'm just letting them fly. It's fine. <laughs> I'll talk to Brian about it, but because he does the editing, we'll see. Oh, now we're gonna have to do it. Now we're gonna have to edit. We have we have seagulls. Brad, we have there. seagulls. Oh, we All right, we've one. got seagulls. The thing is, we have so many other ocean shorebirds that are flying around too to where um, same thing happens, right? You see flutter in the sky, you see something either coming um, from a distance, whatever the case may be, everything's grouped up, everything migrates to the coast. You've got, you've got cranes. We're hunting around 
areas that whooping cranes are, Correct. right? To where, yeah. um, you know, there's just so much movement in the sky. And then you get the random like eye floaty. And you're like, oh, is that a, <laughs> no, no, no. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you don't the look at the sun. Floaty. Don't look yeah. at, oh, I get it 100%. Like, look at the sun, then, like, you look away, and all of a sudden you're staring at eye floaties because that's all you can see. <laughs> oh, yeah, I get it. I know it, man. <laughs> and and for some reason, your buddy sees it, too. Like, oh, no. Oh, okay, both both an eye floaty on that one. But um, well, how like how about that, though? Like, you duck on enough. Like, your buddy will be like, man, there's ducks right there. And you'll be like, where? Right uh, above that tree line. No, there's not. Like, it's right there. Like, and like you never see them, but then you'll yeah. see birds, and you know, and like they'll be like, I don't see them, and finally, like they'll catch it at the end or something. Like, oh, there they are! Like, I've never understood how someone can literally point and be like, they are right there, and you cannot see them. You, you you've got to establish. This is twelve o'clock, right? Right, twelve o'clock, one o'clock, two o'clock. You may be depending on how you're hunting. If you're hunting in a kayak and you're righty or lefty, right? You're always going to kind of shift a little bit to where you've got the best swing so your 12 o'clock right. may not be your clients or your buddy's 12 o'clock um but no that happens all day long i'm like all right man we've got <laughs> stay still stay still stay still we we've, we've got a group of five coming in here where are they at don't move don't move. <laughs> where, where are they 11 o'clock 11 you know and then they're uh-huh. like I'm right. like, hey, that's not even eleven o'clock. What, where are you, where, are you, where are you looking? But <laughs> now it's, uh, it's, 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 it's perfect, and I'm glad to hear it. It happens all across the U.S. <laughs> it does. It I'm does. glad you guys got eye floaties up in Wisconsin, <laughs> just like I do down here. I do, I do for sure, <laughs> for sure. Or like, oh. you get those weird bluebill days, where like you're just looking at the horizon and you see nothing. And then all of a sudden you got four locked up and committed 40 yards away. And like, because you see the movement, you turn and all of a sudden they're like, oh, and they flare. And it's like, what just happened here? Like, how didn't I see you coming from hundreds of yards away? Like, where did you come from? Like, did you come from 30,000 feet up straight down? (laughs) (laughs) Or what's even worse is when that happens and you catch them as they buzz your decoys or you hear the over the top of you. And then your dog just looks at you. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's 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 a level of disappointment that unless you've hunted with a dog, you've become close to. Like you know what that look is. Like why didn't you shoot? Right. You missed it. <laughs> that's yeah. see, it's funny though. Like at times like that, that's when I look back at my dog and be like. Why didn't you perk up your ears? You heard them way before I did. Like, like you're supposed to be my like alert dog. Like where it's like, oh, I hear wings. Like where, where, where were you? <laughs> and you then for the next 30 minutes. I miss. The next 30 minutes, every time the dog moves his head, you're like watching yep. which direction it's at. Oh God, that's fun. You can give me that look if I miss. Like if I miss an easy shot, I, I deserve that look, but. Hey, if I'm not quick enough because the birds came in hot and fast, like, where were you? You heard them before I did. You got way better hearing than me. Where were you? Like, oh, you're supposed God. to be the alarm with, like, the siren be like, birds. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's great. You know, that's part of the thing that I love, right? You're 15, or I don't know, 2,000 miles away from me, 
right? From where I'm at and you're at. And the ability to have the same stories, even in a different environment, right? To where it's, you know, the same struggle I'm having. Granted, I'm wearing shorts half the time and you're not, or vice versa, right? To where well, that's why we the just same struggle both happens lines. everywhere. That's why we run bulk lines that we can have heaters in. <laughs> <laughs> you mean there's, there, uh, look, I'm going to show you something real quick. All right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's it's 40. Um, we don't take heat. We've got those little like packets that you sure, shake sure. hot hands that never really even work. Right. Cause yep. you've had them for a year and a half and somehow one of them opened up and one of solid. the best, one of the best things I've done, USB rechargeable hand warmer for inside my like waiter muff, USB rechargeable. Just don't forget to recharge it every night. But yeah, like it's always warm. Like it's warm. Like there's no like, is this one going to be hot? How many, like, do I have to, how often do I have to shake it to get it to warm up? Like, like there's none of that. Like you turn the thing on, like, and it's, and, and it's warm. <laughs> and I, I guess for those people that only listen to a podcast, I, um, I showed a base, a, like a stack propane heater that I have here. And, uh, that's how we're on the heater topic now. So <laughs> what, 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 what temperature are you running your heater though? Like, I got a Mr. 20? Buddy here, like a four to nine. Like, when do I, oh, when do I turn it on? Like, at what temperature do I start turning it on at? Yeah. Under 20 normally. 20 is still pretty comfortable. I And honestly, I don't wear gloves. Like, wearing gloves when calling doesn't work. I have never found a pair of gloves that doesn't change the tone of a call. Duck call, especially a goose call. So, I don't wear gloves. So, a lot of times, like, when my hands get cold, I'll turn that heater on. And I'll just hold my hands in front of it to like warm my hands up. So my hands can still function. Yeah. Otherwise you I know, have like it's... a Milwaukee heated sweatshirt. That thing comes in key too. like start to get cold. You just turn the heat on and like you warm yourself up. Snails. You got to be comfortable though. Like you got to be comfortable. Oh God. I mean, when, when you're going out in the morning and it's in the teens and it's not going to get into the 20s and it's windy, like, and it's making ice, like, you can watch things freezing around you as it goes. Like, you got to stay warm. Like, you start to get cold, you're hunt like, just, like, now you're not going to stay out there. Yeah, You know, you said, you said something else, right? That, <laughs> that will, uh, that sparked something in my head, so. You know, you said you're putting gloves on and, and you're calling, right? Right. Um, growing up and, and learning, pretty much nobody in my early 20s or, uh, you know, basically all the way through 20s, my hunting partners were always older gentlemen, right? And um, one thing down here that is probably different from where you're at um is we don't call very often at all. Sure. Uh, you don't have mallards. Like the main duck I call. Oh, I take that back. I call it. I call it teal. I call it pigeon or widget. Widgeon, pintail. Like I got a whistle. I'll call it pintail. Yeah. But for the most part, no calls at all. 
Really? The more you call, the less bird, like if, if I'm hunting an area that's got a uh, 100, I don't know, 200 yards away, right? And it's a, either I'm downwind from them or it's a calm morning where everything's busting off the water and sound just travels. Um, like I'm so glad they're calling because all the birds down here have been called from since Canada. Sure. All the way down here to where they may have watched Duck Dynasty and went to the whatever store and, you know, paid 50 to $100 to buy a call. And uh, it just, it pushes birds away from people that are making noise. Like sure. your comeback call is not a comeback call, guy. It's bring them to my decoys call. So, oh, like late season, same thing up here. Like, like there's days, like, Calling deter is determined by how the birds work here, if that makes sense. Like, that I've got days where the birds want you to stay hard on a call the entire time, like they're on a string. Like, you shut up, they leave. Like, but I've got other days, like, you give them a couple quacks or a feeding chuckle, and they're like, gone. Like, we're gone. Like, yeah. we don't want any. Like, so I really let the birds determine that, but I'm not surprised. Like, you're right. They've been called that from Canada, Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, like, all the way down. Like they've heard every yeah. single call, every single pattern, every single chuckle. Like there is nothing new you're throwing at them ducks by the time they get to you. Good, bad, and ugly, right? Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and if they've lived through the good, you've got to be great then. Yeah, to where I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a caller. Like I hardly, hardly ever, unless it's super foggy, right? Sure. To where we can't see anything and. Some of these late season hunts are where you can't see 10, 15 yards in front of you. You know, you can make out the very edge. You're putting your decoys, you're hugging them close. Um, and these birds show up and command or don't or buzz and you're missing a bunch of them because you can't see them. But, you know, the noise will help uh, in that area. But you're blind calling. You don't know what's dropping in. You're just making right. a little noise. Right. So. Some whistles here and there. Or Part two of the stare of death, just like the dog, if you miss. <laughs> There's nothing worse with sit with a group of old timers and you're a young kid and you're trying to call off of a call. It's like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that stare of death is even worse. <laughs> I might have given someone that stare of death or time or two, and now when they come in my boat, they don't even bring their calls with. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's what it, don't call, and we're going to hunt over a black-painted milk jug on a, a lead weight. And th there's been days like that where, you know, sometimes I think the hunting industry has transformed like how I feel, in my personal opinion, how some of the fishing industry has turned, right? Um, some of the products that are out there are not to catch fish. Right. They're to catch fishermen. Some of the products out there for duck hunting aren't to catch ducks or to catch duck hunters. And, you know, you look back through the ages where, um, or if your pictures or you read stories or, or you're into that, um, you know, their attire is I'm throwing a Carhartt on and I'm going out in jeans and I'm putting hip waders on and I'm, I'm sitting out there and something that nowadays would be considered, uh, a distraction and there'd be no way ducks would fly in if right. you've got a solid pattern without rough of grass and 
covered up to your head and you you better damn put your gloves on because they're gonna see your white hands sure. or whatever, right? right and I right. think half of that is fun because it builds energy, it builds excitement. It's the lead up to the hunt. You're sitting in your garage, you're getting stuff ready. Things are camo. That may be your favorite shirt, whatever. Um, to where you've got old timers that are deadly shooting with like a 20 gauge and they're they're literally sitting in the most comfortable lawn chair and whatever they're going to wear that whole day right right what what has changed or why has the industry changed where people think that they can and don't kill any of your sponsors by answering this question right <laughs> i'm just gonna say that right pelican uh, i love you i see you in that top corner uh you keep my stuff safe and secure but but what has changed to where you know the industry is dictating what folks in the field like you and i know to be untrue what do you think about that brad I think and you don't have I to answer a, that no 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 i think it's a good topic and i think it's way deeper than that like i want like there's so much more to it like i'm not sure nowadays if that car heart is going to get it done and like a lack of a blind on a boat and so my question really comes down because i don't know this answer is there more people hunting now than there was before i know they say hunter numbers are down but are like so let me let me rephrase that back then what was the hunting population versus the hunting land available like how yeah. much pressure was actually in these areas because where i hunt if you don't have a good hide the birds aren't even gonna come close to you like they're gonna like literally ignore you and you can tell the difference between like if you put like local natural vegetation on your hide compared to not like like they like they can easily tell and i've seen it like numerous times like someone like oh i don't need a face mask i don't need like i'm not worried about any of that like i'll be fine i'm like all right just keep your head down like don't like keep your eyes under your brim of your hat you'll be fine and you got birds locked up and they turn their head and that white paper plate is all facing the birds and you watch the birds flare and like you see it click in their eyes and they yeah. look back at you and go like that was me wasn't it like what do you think like you turned your head and the birds left like yeah it was you i don't know like if there's like just more pressure to less land now i don't know if that's what's doing it i don't know if it's just mentally i feel like i need a better hide like i don't know if i've just learned over the years where it's like the better i hide the closer i get birds to work mm -hmm. maybe it's an eagle thing where i like birds feet down i don't do passing ducks like i i want those birds backpedaling i want to see their feet like i want to see them like when i jump up be like oh shit <laughs> i can't get out of here fast enough yeah. like, that that's what i want so i was that what they did back then or back then were they taking shots to where, where like birds were flying and they're like 40 50 yards they're like oh yeah lead dead like like i don't know like there's so many variables there i don't know that like i do agree though like there's a lot of products out there to catch a hunter not to, not to shoot a dog i agree a hundred percent you know, I, it's, well, it, it's hard and easy, um, you know, coming from, I can hunt a couple months out of the year and I love it. And most of my time is spent fishing 
right? From a right. from a kayak and you know, you said new canoe and uh I'm a Hobie fishing team guy. Sure. Right? Yeah. And where you know, some of the expectations they have for us are dependent on that people can buy their way to success. Agreed. By spending money, right? You want to be successful like whoever you're whoever you're watching on YouTube, whoever's podcast you're watching, whoever, uh, you know, you're watching Steve Rennell and you damn well better buy some Sitka and that little thing that holds your binoculars because that's where the success comes from. And you supplement time, skill, being out there in a, for dollars, right? right. And you, you try to buy your way in. And I've done it before. Oh, yeah. I've done yeah, it before. Like, like, and, right. I mean, it, it, it's, you get sucked into that. I mean, there are times where I can justify spending more money, like some gear, like I'm not a big sick guy. I have a hat. That's the only piece of sick I own. Like if you, like, I know guys that love it. I've got no problem with it, but like, I have found that higher end clothing normally keeps me warmer and drier with less bulk. Like I learned that from hiking, from backpacking, from canoe mm-hmm. camping and kayak camping that goes buy once, cry once performance apparel let's call it performance apparel right exactly just performs better yeah. now can you do it with no, your I mean, I, I, now can you do it? yeah yeah you can get it done yeah, you can get done with the car hard it's it's just it's an interesting topic and i guarantee you can probably have a show about that whole thing for for oh, for, for hours sure. But you know, as, as I'm sitting here and I'm looking around, right? I'm surrounded by duck hunting gear and fishing gear and all kinds of stuff in here. And you know what I'm curious from you, if we turn the tides and now I'm, I'm interviewing you. All right. Uh, you know, what is the one critical piece of gear, regardless if it's high dollar, not high dollar, and don't go lame like, oh, my shotgun. That's yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah, but you the, need your shotgun, the, right? The extra bit of gear that is a critical piece to some of your success while you're out on the field. A good GPS. Hmm. A good on your GPS. boat or personal? I use a personal G. I use a Garmin Montana 650. Is what I use. I can go in my truck. It can go in my boat. Like. That is the backbone of what I do. That's got all my logging roads on it. It's got my waypoints for grouse hunting. It's got my waypoints for, for even like duck hunting. Like I map all my routes. Like I run a river a lot of times or a marsh, like, and there's channels in it and things like that. And I have to be able to run like, cause I've got my kayak and I run, I've, I've got a kayak that I paddle. I've got a mud motor on one of my kayaks and then I've got my big duck boat. Right. And when I'm running my big duck boat and it's dark and it's foggy, like, and you know, the only other people out there are duck boats, like, or, or like, like, like there's certain spots, like I'm not a fan of running wide open, like overrunning your lights or running dangerous. That's not what I'm talking about, but there's some spots that are shallow enough. I have to be on plane or I'm not going to get through them. Yeah. So I run just at that level of staying on plane and without my GPS, I'd wad it up. Like I'd wind up on a sandbar for sure. I'd wind up on the sandbar. So without my GPS, like I would be super limited on what I could do safely could i do it could i do it sure like i would idle i'd go slow 
if I wadded up on the sandbar, like everyone's getting out in their wanders, they're pushing the bike. And cause you didn't wad it up cause you're at idle basically. Right. Like you're just, everyone's getting out and you're backing the boat up and then you're walking it over it. Like it's fine, but I don't want to deal with that anymore. So like, to me, my, like, like, I don't want to have to like get out of the boat and walk the boat. I want to like run up the river at 10, 15 miles, 20 miles. If, it, if the conditions are good, I want to run up it at 25 miles an hour, hit all my turns, right get to the bay I want to hunt or that backwater and like beat the other six guys behind me because we got to the launch 20 minutes earlier. I don't want to be sitting there at idle and wad up on a sandbar and watch some boat go. And I'm like, God, I get so much joy out of that. Like if you're running and you're running hard or you know, the terrain or the, the sloughs, right. You can just, you know, crank that tiller motor to where you're just buzzing through. Like you feel, I don't know. I feel like a badass. Like I know what the heck I'm doing going through. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's so much. It's the experience. It's you got it's the time fun. and you got the experience to do it then. Yeah, it's so much fun. All right. So that's your key piece of gear, GPS. What would you say is your, and it may not be weird because I've, I've got one down here that, that I'll tell you about here in a little bit, but what is the weirdest piece of gear that you take with you, Brad, that you just can't, you can't go duck hunting without it or you feel lost because you left it in the garage or forgot about it. What's the, what's the quirky piece of gear that you just got to bring with you? Interesting. Boy, I might need a second to think of that. I'm going like mentally right now I'm going through my blind bag, right? Like trying to figure out like what would be like, I being a kayak hunter, like I just got a duck boat a year ago. Like I've been kayak hunting like for a very long time. Mm Mm-hmm. I've pared it down. Like I've really like taken everything like as like the least amount of stuff that I could possibly bring. I guess the, we- <laughs> I bring, I bring a bunch of chokes. Like I have four extended choke tubes and I bring all the chokes with me and 90% of the hunts, I never even change them. <laughs> but if you but didn't they're there, <laughs> but I have them just in case, <laughs> just in case my skeet choke that patterns the best like because i know that just in case i'm like oh we need to open it up a little bit now i will say on that one weird river hunt like that was super close i did open it up a bit but like i always bring them do i need them probably not (laughs) or like because like that's where it's like the confidence thing right like if i'm missing birds for some reason that day the first thing is oh i need a better choke i need a tighter choke i need a looser choke and it's not the choke it's not the gun it's not the shell (laughs) It's the Indian, not the hero. Like, let's be realistic here. So All it's right, probably so that... me hauling around a bunch of chokes I don't need. Oh goodness, yeah, no. And if but if you forgot them, that would be the reason why, right? right. If oh, it yeah. wasn't if successful. Oh, for sure. If I if if I forgot the chokes and I missed a bunch of birds, and be like, if I would have had my chokes and been one choke tighter, I would have knocked them out of the sky. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Oh, that's great. I love that everybody's got their court, you know. But what about you? What's what's that one piece of gear you can't live without? And what's that weird piece of gear? You know, the, um, I wouldn't call it weird, but I'd call it completely different. So, uh, let me see. I'll tell you what's going to be different. And then everybody from Oklahoma up will be like, no. So every duck hunt I've got to take for me and whether it's a client or not is 
All right. Bug spray. And you know, mosquito spray. Sure. Because, um, like, yeah, it's winter, right? It's right about to be February, but um, the weather changes so quick here. And I'll say quick in the, the aspect of the sun's always shining somewhere in Texas. It don't matter, right? It's always sunny somewhere. Uh, and we'll go from, I don't know, maybe 50 in the morning to 75, 80 in the afternoon. And these mosquitoes, I don't know if you heard that. My yep. may have buzzed or became a duck call for a buddy texting. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the mosquitoes, they're bad. So sure. I heard you talking about last time or your last podcast about ticks and oh, yeah. you know deer ticks and do you worry about them? Do you not worry about them? And I don't worry about any of that kind of stuff, right? Either for my dog too, like some of you guys were talking, which I found really, really interesting and um, different. We have ticks, but we don't we don't have that problem. The problem is we have pterodactyl mosquitoes sure that um somehow find the middle split of the bottom of your eye even if you're covered up to where it's i don't know they're deadly down here man i mean we get skeeters up here don't get but i mean normally it gets cold enough like we only have to deal with them in early season like after early season we get a couple frost yeah that's all done but that's all year. It's like 40, and somehow they creep out of some 100-year-old marshmallow that's never been stepped on, right? <laughs> that someone in some frou-frou snail-eating city <laughs> would pay good money to have that rubbed on their face for uh, some type of mask. But you step in something, and the tide goes out. Then all of a sudden, you've got 1,000 mosquito larvae that somehow hatch in 35 minutes and just want to destroy your life. And you're and yeah. you're grabbing decoys as fast as you can, and grabbing a flamethrower and trying to like burn it all down and get out of there. <laughs> you're doing you're doing something like it's thermocell deet, and you know we've got a cologne down here in Rockport, which is kind of like a mixture between repel, off, <laughs> and um, just a little dab of skin so soft to make your <laughs> wife happy. You know what I mean? It's got a mosquito repelling property of some sort. Who, who knows? But. Um, you literally see that's gonna be your weird piece of gear coming up. You need like one of those big mosquito smokers <laughs> that you can just smoke, like, like it's gonna look like fog on the water to the ducks, but really it's just chemicals you're set just like hovering around you, like to keep the mosquitoes at bay. <laughs> yeah, no, that that would be my, yeah, my weird piece of gear. I don't think you can fog down here though. I think that would uh get into the water system and you'd have. You'd have the Department of Interior coming sure. down pretty quick on you. It's just it's just smoke on the water. It's just smoke. That's right. Water. That's fog. That's what happens at the coast. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. I think what's harder, the harder question for me, and um, is that necessary piece of gear, right? Sure. Um, you know, I, I worked backwards when it came to kayak fishing. And I've been kayak fishing for over 20 years or kayak hunting for the same amount of time. Um, but instead of progressing from like bank fishing, pier fishing, 
I want to get a little farther or hunting or walk in spots. I'd buy a kayak so I can go. Sure. Um, you know, I started with boat. Okay. And then moved down to smaller boat to John boat to, to kayak. Um, to where probably over the last 10 years, a minimalistic approach of just taking what you need has been, it's kind of been my, my thing. So I don't know, man, that's, that's a, that's going to have to be for part two. All right. Probably. We're going to have to do a part two. Cause I mean, we're, we're a little over an hour and a half, so we probably should start to wrap it up a little bit here. Oh we're, man. We're gonna have so, it, it just happens. I get it. Like, it's not the first time. That's where we're like, when we first started talking, like in the backstage, I'm like, if it goes 40 minutes, if it goes an hour and 20 minutes, like it's good either way. And I, I knew this one was going to go long. I knew it from the start. <laughs> it's going to be a three commercial episode. <laughs> hey, well, that's better for, better for sponsors. And stuff. Exactly. You know, what's funny though, is we probably could sit here and pick a random topic or a random instance in the life of, Right, dot dot dot, and continuously go for a long time. And, like, what do you like about your new canoe? What do right? you like about your Hobie? What do you like? Oh, yeah. Pick the topic. What, what makes you run the kayak instead of running the, the duck boat? Or sure. how often do you take your 21 foot? Like, man, this could probably go on forever. So, absolutely, Brad, you do your thing if we got to end it. Let's do it. Oh, yeah, let's we're gonna start to wrap it up a little bit, but I want to give you a few minutes here to. Sh- to Shout out any sponsors you have, fishing sponsors, any hunting companies you work with, your service. I know you're talking clients, so I know, and you're Captain Matt Murphy, so obviously you're guiding. So make sure you put all that out there, social media and all of that I will link in the show description as well so people can easily find it. But definitely want to make sure everybody can find you. Okay. That yeah, if you want to be found. If you want to be found. <laughs> if you don't want to be found. I mean... <laughs> well, you found me somehow, Brad, right? I, I a random Instagram, man. Like everybody asks me, they're like, where do you get your guests? I'm like, I blind message people on Instagram. And it's no joke. 90% of the people on my show are just random people. I'm like, you want to talk hunting? Yeah. And 90% of them are like, yeah, hell yeah. I do this yeah. for fun all the time. Exactly. <laughs> no. So this year is different, right? So I, I, I don't have a sponsored outfitter, okay. right? Like I used to. Um, I was wrapped up in a whole ACK thing or Austin kayaking canoe. If you ever heard about any of that, I did. Uh, to where they were my sponsor and my outfitter at the time. Uh, but for 2023, um, I'm, I'm really focusing on my business, right? Sure. No one's going to promote your business bigger than, than you can. And, uh, it's a small one man show called No Wake Coastal Guide Service down here in Rockport, Texas. Um, I do work a lot with a company called Texas Power Paddle, which is a a propulsion system. And I won't get into all the details if you're interested in that kind of stuff, but what it does is it, uh, it adds a motor to your kayak to where regardless of your ability, skill, strength, age, um, it alleviates some of what a kayak or the tedious amounts of kayaking in high weather um, or just leisure can, can put a strain on you. Um, and that's it. I mean, if you're interested, you want to shoot redheads by the dozen, fish, hunt, 
that's uh that's really my thing um you can find me at yourkayakguide.com or give us a call find me on instagram at kayak waterfowler or on facebook you can find me at captain matt murphy nice there you go brad that's that's, that's my spiel now if you would have caught me last year like i would have said let me let me rip out a piece of paper and it would become just <laughs> annoying you know <laughs> but uh, uh, you know I, that's I, awesome i believe in those companies still but it, sure. it's yep. it's it's um you know at, at some point it's you got to promote yourself oh absolutely especially when you're getting into that guide thing i mean you, you don't have much of it like that's where it is like your business has to come before other businesses. Now, can you still support other businesses while supporting yours? Oh, sure, absolutely. but yours has to be the top priority, right? Because that the only parties the only parties that make your business succeed is you. No one else yeah. is going to do it for you. No one is. So, but Brad, look, I'll tell it. you this: I'm I'm thankful for you finding me random on Instagram. Um, I think we've got a lot in common. Our conversation today has been really, really fun. Um, <laughs> We know some of the same people, some of the same people we on do. the Paddle and Finn uh, uh, podcast series. But, um, you know, I'm hopeful and grateful. If you ever want to have a conversation again, I'm sure we can keep this going. I oh, know, for uh, sure. They'll have to be a part two. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, we'll, well, maybe we'll save that to like right before the season when we're like really jacked up. Like, Oh, like, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'd love it. I'd love it. I'd love the conversation today and appreciate you having me on your show. I appreciate you coming on, Matt. All my listeners, again, appreciate you turning in. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't do this every every two weeks. I mean, I love chatting. I love talking. But if nobody listened, I, I wouldn't do it. So I really appreciate everybody that tunes in every single week. And until next time, keep chasing that experience. places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.